good morning, Bob. Morning, Bill. Now, today, where are we going to go with with this today? I was uh, I know we've been talking a lot about the uh, vehicle's desirability, using the tool to uncover it, and then I was kind of, uh, well, maybe bugging you. I was bugging you about uh, you know dealerships when they're getting ready to wholesale vehicles, and you said something to me. You said. What dealerships have to understand, what people have to understand is the reality, and this is a, your quote, the reality of the constant of the wholesale market. So I, that's kind of a, I don't know if it's a bit of a curveball question to ask right out of the beginning, but uh, can you expand on that more for everybody? Well, I, I guess it, it's not like we, we're trying pontificating where we're telling people they have to understand. That's the most disgusting. Disgusting thing for say what you're going to listen to. No, our, our, our point of view and our suggestion is that from a you know from a retail standpoint, it's kind of different than a wholesale standpoint. Where um, the wholesale market is, it's real. Where you know, like when I say it's real, it's kind of like the stock market, right? You can't change what something's actually worth because you want it to be that way. With, with retail, it's a little different because you can sell the dealership and a greater warranty and great salesperson and all the rest of it. And therefore, there's a possibility of getting lucky. Not getting lucky, but you know, doing all the things right makes somebody feel good. It's Everything's great. And you can potentially sell a car that, let's say, for instance, that same unit in the, the broader wholesale market it actually is revealed. It's kind of like, you know, the, the proverbial um, uh, being the emperor, right? In other words, uh, we were just talking before everybody got on uh, about, you know, how the market is this and that, right? So what we're seeing in this um, post-hyper crazy insane market where people now have all recognized the fact that we're back to reality, we're, we're, in my estimation, we're a little bit beyond reality where um, the actual characteristics of the car um, um, can't be hidden based on hyper need for purchasing cars just to have cars, right? We're no longer there. We're now at a point where a car with a touch on fax and a silver one with no gear um, turns out to be, even though it should be worth X, it turns out not necessarily to be worth X because it can be that when you look at the aggregate number of units in the market, and it turns out to be, you know, 5,400 cars that are similar to yours, and you happen to have a, you know, like an off color with no gear and maybe a touch on fax and maybe uh, a dinky wheels. You follow me? What you really have is you're trying to sell a townhouse in a sea of townhouses, and you're the one that has nothing inside you got no hardwood floors you got no fireplace you got no marble and you're trying to get market value no it don't work that way it 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 just doesn't happen to to work like that you the, the probability of getting lucky in the wholesale market is it's not the same as getting lucky retailing cars you know what i mean it, we're dealing with the same commodity but the probability of luck it's particularly so obviously it's converse to that when we're in a wild market, like the middle of June, July, August, right? Wild. It doesn't matter what you have. You got like a turd, throw it up against the wall, boom, brings wild money. But that's not where we're at. Now, it really does matter. I'm going to give you an example of what I'm saying. Uh, talking to a Ford dealer yesterday, uh, and his he's perplexed with his managers and this and this and this. So we start going through the inventory with him. And what happens is, you know, when you look at, 
you know, a Ford F-150, right? You know, there's 87 varieties of that, right? But then when you look at a base Ford F-150 and the fact that there happens to be 17,000 of them in the marketplace and you got a nice looking car with 16,000, but with nothing, you got nobody, you got nothing. It just, it just sitting there. It's just like no wheels, no gear, you know, a cloth, no nothing, uh, no power. It, next thing you know, um, when you think about it, the question is, you know, how do I sell this car? And the answer is, um, I don't know, but let's think about how it got the car. Now we look at the, the let's call it the listing history of that unit, right? So um, sold new someplace, and it says 39.5, right? So 39.525, and it was in stock 42 days when it was sold. Now here it comes, and here it is with 17,000 miles, right? And you look at how many there are, and you look at how much, well, you know, if you did your normal, how many there are, what they are, price the market. You could make price this car to any place in the market, but here's the deal. The the, the previous dealer before it was purchased, uh, I think it was actually purchased on um, uh, Trade Rev. Um, the previous dealer was asking, let's say, 29.5 for it um, for 132 days before you bought it, and now you're asking 33.5. So when you stop think about it, the tool reveals if the car was in the marketplace previously, who had it and for how long they had that unit, right? And then when you look at how many there are, and now you're trying to get more because you bought it in the open market, you brought it back, you certified it, you put it in the front line, you're doing the right thing, you're pricing at the market, trying to sell it for less than it's worth. But the unfortunate reality is it turns out to be where it's not less than it's worth because you're a pee in the pot. And what you don't have is an exit strategy. You see what I'm saying? So the question from the Ford dealer is, well, what should I do with this car? My answer is, now that you already had the accident, um, I don't really have a good, I don't know how to repair your car without, <laughs> without sending it to a body shop. In other words, that's a, an analogy that would be if you used, let's say, a little bit of um, car IQ, automotive IQ, to understand the pedigree of the unit before it came into the marketplace. So you feel confident your dealership's better. I understand all that. And you're going to be able to ask four or 5,000 more than the dealer that has priced this car in the market, drop the price, drop the price, drop the price. Then you bought it from them. And then you reinflate that price to try to put it to the market. And then you're going to be the lucky cat that has a brilliant salesperson that's going to smash somebody with that car. Um, Basically, you're saying if I fl- if I flap my arms hard enough, I will fly. And my feeling is, no, it's not necessarily true. So this this isn't something that we invented. It's not something that's new, um, you know. And you need inventory, so you go to stock cars, and you know you 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 don't have any of this or that, whatever. M- my point being, it, it's really smart since we have the tools to be able to look at and then use common sense around how deep you're going to go into a unit uh, because without the proper understanding, if it's already been exposed to the broader market for 118 days or 97 days, whatever, um, uh, where that source of the car came to the open market where you're now the person that bought it and you're going to ask X amount more for it and believe somehow or other. Now I understand, you know, I don't actually understand because if it's on a Ford, another Ford dealer's lot for 97 days, the probability that unit needs tires and brakes is zero. So you're not going to pick nothing up in the shop, right? Because the idea is, you know, you pick something up in the shop, you're doing parts of it. Okay, that's all good idea. 
But if it's already been on somebody's front line for an extended period of time, the probability you're going to find a way to spend money in the shop on that car is very low. And now we're back down to how much you're going to ask for it and how long it's going to sit there and what you're going to do to sell it, right? And then when you don't sell it, you know, what really is your exit strategy? You're timing out now 60 days into that silver Nobody, good looking, really nice, clean unit, but with no eyeball, no no uh, uh, appeal, let's say, no eye, no curb appeal, and 5,000 other ones just like it in the marketplace. I honestly don't know what to tell you uh, uh, to do with that, because if you do put it on the point, it's not stopping traffic, that's for sure. Um, you know, so it, it's it's then a question of how deep do you go and then, uh, you know, where the convergence of you need inventory. And then at what point do you just close your eyes and push the button and say, oh, I'll take it, right? Uh, as long as you're doing it with the awareness uh, that is kind of like it's not completely r- Russian roulette, but it's maybe one bullet in the chamber Russian roulette. You follow me? Because you're going to have to get lucky not to, not to take the pipe on it. Right. See, it's a little different when you have something that there isn't anything of something with, you know, like it's standing up a little bit. It's got a little something appeal to it, some kind of appeal, like a, an emotional thing uh, to that unit. It, and I can only tell you this. It carries through to the few million cars we've sold on the auction block. How you actually get that unit to the next level to create let's call it um, an aggregate of appeal where numerous potential buyers would be interested and therefore creating a desirability around that unit that creates value. So from a retail standpoint, you, you can't say that it's unrelated in that regard. What exactly do you do to a unit in order to make it appealing where somebody specifically is interested and potentially have competitive interest from other salespeople that may have, Jesus, look at this, bingo, next thing you know, um, um, the let's call it the desirability of the unit um, has been bumped up a notch or two. Does that make sense to you, Shawnee? I don't know if I answered your question or not, but that's uh, what I think uh, would be relevant to uh, uh, the direction you were going there. Yeah, yeah, no, 100%. And so what I see is, so a dealership has this particular truck and they've dropped their price down to almost a cost, right? And then they go fired into the wholesale marketplace and and the buying dealers are, are sharp enough to see, it's like, well, let's check this vehicle. Well, they could well, be, this- they could be. You see, right. my, my suggestion is, Sean, that with our tool, you actually can be sharp enough. You, it doesn't cost you a penny. All you have to do is take a peek at where it's been. It's it's kind of like what we call the pecker tracks. In other words, where's this unit been floating around, right? Is it something that hasn't been in the market or is it something that's been laying? Um, you know, it's kind of like saying, you know, I got really great cars for you. Here's all the cars that my salespeople are walking around and they couldn't sell. And boy, is this a great unit. You follow me? That's kind of like what we're revealing when you're looking at the tool and you're, you know, you got the uh, uh, extension on and you're examining where it's been and what it is and then why you believe, of course, you'd never admit it in the public, why you believe you're so much better at what you do than the dealer that couldn't sell it to say, ah, yeah, I, I can overlook that. I'll, I'll pay all the money for it and I'll ask four grand more for it and I'll sell it. Um, I, you know, listen, we're car dealers, so I, I believe guys could think that, right? Uh, or you're in a better location to sell, or you're a different brand, and you're, this is an off-brand car and all the rest of it, right? But it's like a, it's a thing where if you leverage that just a little bit, right, 
um, I think it's very helpful. I'm going to give you a perfect example. I think it's a perfect example. What we're seeing right now with cars that look like uh, they are off-lease, uh, let's call them, not necessarily in Lexus, but you can see it in Toyotas. You can see it in, in Mercedes-Benzes, right? Those cars are struggling terrible to get to you know, what you would assume is a market value because there's so many of them. And there's, um, there's, it's, it's, it's the townhouse thing. In other words, there's so many of them. What makes this one worth more? And you already have them. And you're in that F-150 category where you got them in stock. You don't understand what to do next because nobody's walking around them. You can't sell them. What would cause you to say, hey, boss, you won't believe us. We had a great day today. We bought nine more GLE Mercedes. Like, for what? The ones you got. You got no action on. You see what I'm saying to you? And these cars are falling two, three, four thousand under market value and nobody's bidding on them. Right? So if that's true, right, of course the guy's getting nervous. You gotta picture this. There's still people sitting with inventory that they bought at the end of the insanity, you know, the hyper market, right? And when you got those cars and they are three, four, eight thousand more than what you could replace them for today, you kind of look a little silly bringing them cars into inventory unless you have the liberation to be able to um, uh, uh, rebook cars, right? To, to income average or whatever. Not everybody has that ability, right? And then it makes you look silly because nobody's really thinking about whoever the boss is, isn't thinking about, well, geez, uh, I'm very understanding. I, I know why you own these cars for 8,000 more than what the market is today. You know, let's just rebook those cars and everything's hunky-dory. I doubt very much if those conversations are happening behind the closed door, right? You're the dumbass that bought them. You're supposed to be able to get rid of them. Um, and now you're, you got, let's say, I would call it like a little bit of a shaky boot going on, um, um, picking off another one, especially if it happens to be crystal blue um, uh, without a pano and with dinky wheels. That car turns out to be an amorphodite, again, unless you're in a really lucky marketplace uh, where you have uh, credit rats that you, you know, they're not buying a car, they're buying your approval, but that's not happening on a $34,000 GLA. You see what I'm saying? So it's, it's like a, it's a weird time. Plus you add to that, you know, what it looks like we're going to go through another shutdown, right? If we go hit another shutdown, um, I think there's a couple things that are good. We, we learned how to deal with the shutdown, right? So we did that and it seemed like it's okay. Masks are on and fewer employees and everybody's multitasking and we're selling more and it costs less and all that. I got all that part. Um, so, so we're not going to have to learn how to do that again. But if we go into another shutdown and let's say uh, different things that happened before happen again, um, this could be weird. And what that really is going to do is put more pressure on these cars that currently are halfway unsellable. The only thing I believe that could come to the rescue, which is a disaster for society, but an unbelievable gift to the car dealer is the factory shut down, the factory shut down. And next thing you know, we got another scarcity of cars that would enable an absorption of all these, these like less than what you would call stupendous, uh, uh cars that are floating in the inventory right now and, uh, enable a, a rerun of, you know, April, May, June, potentially, um, cause that's what they're talking about, I guess, uh, uh you know, uh, uh, some of these European brands are going to be shutting down, and if they if it happens to touch uh, Detroit, right, uh, we're going to be doing a 
Nobody knows what cars are worth, but everybody's trying to buy them because they don't have any cars to sell. Therefore, they got to buy whatever exists. I don't know what everybody else is hearing, but I'm trying my best to pay attention to this. You know, Mannheim said they're going back to in-lane sales in a few auctions. I don't believe that's going to happen. Uh, not with what's going on uh, uh, now, you know, we're in Ontario and in Texas and in uh, California and so forth. We got these things skyrocketing again. Um, it seems to me that we're going the opposite direction. So thank God everybody's had to sell a car on simulcast and buy a car on simulcast. But that is not necessarily going to uh, resolve the, uh, let's call it the desirability of certain categories of cars until there becomes a scarcity of new cars again. It's a very, like, I would call it a multifaceted, uh, you know, who knows about this and that affects that uh, type of circumstance. But the direction it's going in, and in particular the way I see this market right now, you know, um, it's, uh, and when you actually calculate the number of no sales that are going through auctions, you know, you're back, for a car that's 20,000 north, for the average consigner, you know, you're back to a 30% conversion rate. That doesn't work. It, it, that's not a functional circumstance. Um, it, it's no good because you, you, you know you, you, you're trying to liquidate. You can't get the job done. That causes constipation. Constipation causes insecurity in a brain, and uh, it, it's uh, it's not good. It makes everybody else second guess. Well, if he ain't. Why ain't I? Right. Um, uh, if he's not buying, why should I buy? And that's in the back of the mind because nobody, we all know the ego of a car dealer wouldn't allow anyone to ever admit to that. But there's a subliminal uh, rub-off effect in my estimation uh, with that circumstance. You know, there's a couple little spots. You know, it's a guy on here just talking about trucks. Of course, trucks are insane. Of course, they're crazy and they're staying crazy. There's no question about that. Um, and, and and let's say, for instance, these exotic cars are absolutely insane. If you got good R8, you got good Ferrari something, you got something like like a good one, they're bringing more money than they ever brought in the history of the world. It's unbelievable. Doesn't make any sense. You know, you bring a Wraith on the block, you're looking for 230, brings 262. Dealer was asking 255 retail. Makes no sense whatsoever. Um, so like a lot of other things don't make no sense that those folks handling those cars and the people looking for those cars doesn't seem like it's affecting them as it does a 2017 Corolla with a bad Carfax and 52,000 miles. It just, it's like a, a, a little bit of a different thing. And MMR says it's 10.5 and you can't get 87.50. That don't make no sense. That's completely anti-logical. It's never, that's never occurred before uh, where, you know, the greatest re remarketing car that ever existed, a Toyota, uh, becomes a little bit of a, a Hyundai in that in that sense. It's a little difficult to sell. That don't make any sense to me. That's a crack in the let's call it the um, um, the uh, information uh, uh, flow of your brain of common sense. You see what I'm saying? Uh, the other thing we're seeing like a huge increase in is buyer's remorse. Right, so buyer's remorse is, you know, we didn't see it at all in June, July, and August, right? Now, what you got buyer's remorse now is the 21-day title circumstance. If I got 1,400 cars out in the street waiting for a title because we wrote a laser beam check to get to buy the car, and now you're waiting 20, 30, 60, 80 days from a dealer to pay it off with the excuse the DOT's closed or whatever, make up nine other excuses why you can't get the title. Dealers are taking the opportunity to give the car back. We did not see that at all. 
during the insanity part, uh, period, the, the spring-summer thing. It, none, none. Cars didn't come back. He, people kept them. They were so thrilled to have them. Now, when you got buyer's remorse setting in, they're looking for anything possible to give those hamburgers back. You follow me? Nothing wrong with the car at all. Um, but it's their exit strategy to get off a car because when they look at it, what they paid three weeks ago to compare to what they can replace that unit for today, it can be two, three G less. So obviously a deal dealer with that buyer's remorse, even if he spent a couple bucks in his shop, is happy to send that hamburger back and go back in uh, 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 to acquire for less. I don't know if that resonates at all, Shoney, but uh, that's what I would say from our perch, uh, um, buying and selling across Canada and the United States. That's what we uh, definitely see as this thing before the shutdown takes place. Add the shutdown to it if it happens. But what's it look like to you, Sean? Does it look like it's going to happen? Yeah. So if you, well, I think it is because if you look at the, so we were just speaking about uh, the different Thanksgiving times. If you look at the, uh, the ramp ups after Thanksgiving, when everyone gathers, um, the Canadian ramp up afterwards, uh, just spiked again. So if the same thing, unfortunately might happen in the, uh, U S the same thing. Exactly. Correct. Yeah. And I can only tell you this, we, we keep records, you know, like a little bit on the psychotic side. So I've been doing this since 1972. There hasn't been more than one or two years since 1972 in the wholesale business, since Thanksgiving is always on the third, thir- uh, 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 Thursday of, of November, that the first sale of December isn't the best of the year. It's every single year. It's the best auction of the year, right? We've had as many as a thousand cars at the auction and sold a thousand cars. Uh, on a day where you would, you know, because you had a, you missed a sale, and therefore you you plow them in, and it, consistently, it's the best auction of the year. You follow me? So if we're going into this thing, and uh, uh, you know now you're not allowed to go visit or go fly or do something, right? Um, and now you're sitting there looking at your inventory. It's going to be very interesting to see how this, uh, how this reaction is. So, um, it's, I think it's going to tell a lot about the attitude of, you know, um, the state of affairs in terms of dealers, how they feel about business, how they're actually aggressive or recessive about certain circumstances and how willing they are to go out and add to their inventory. It's going to be an interesting, uh, little, little shot. Now that everybody on all the media everywhere says you're going to stay with concrete in your shoes, you ain't going nowhere, right? Um, um, it's uh, we're, we're blazing new territory here, man. For all of these reasons, I believe what we offer to dealers is a level of transparency to enable their common sense to, again, never to dictate, but to enable different points of view uh, of how you're looking at any piece of merchandise and then what you're thinking about doing with it after you own it, right? Uh, by the way, the OBDs are being sent out to dealers now, and the guys that uh, and girls that are actually leveraging it uh, are absolutely in love. Um, I don't know if you got yours yet, Sean, but when you see it and you plug it and then you think about it and how it uses a different level of transparency to communicate with a consumer or 
in your case, in a dealer-to-dealer circumstance, the, the the ability to talk your way out of fact is is no longer uh, available um, because everybody has the same capability of seeing what's true and what's not true about a, a, a vehicle. Prior to trading the car, you're going to be able to have a conversation with the consumer to help them understand that their car has uh, heart disease or it has uh, lymphoma or whatever from an EKG standpoint. In other words, it's got a, a, a you know, a, a, a an EGR valve, whatever. Uh, uh, you know, these are things that we've, as dealers, have always just said, well, let's make a deal. Yeah, you make a deal, and then after the deal's done, you, you start welding yourself into the car because you already welded yourself, but because you did it without the knowledge of what the car truly was before you traded it. And not to hound on that, but the, when you think about it, it doesn't stop you from stepping on your uh, foot uh, 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 trading it for more money, but you're doing it knowing that you're doing it as opposed to just, you know, put it all on red, yeah, put it on red, roll the dice, go ahead, let it rip. Right. Mm. It's, it's a different level of transparency. Now look at the pedigree of the unit, understand it was in somebody's garage, a different car than something's, a, you know, all of these little touch points, uh, understanding what common problems mean to a car, uh, right? Where you leverage that and you disallow yourself or your team or your group or whoever, your salesperson, from um, uh, welding yourself into inventory without any type of uh, factual uh, reference. See there, we, we diverse, Johnny, but it's so important, in my opinion, for people to understand what's available today and how you're able to use it um, you know, to not uh, plow yourself into stuff uh, without the information. It doesn't mean you can't. You can still pay too much. You can still do whatever you want. You're just doing it with knowledge of, of, uh, of what happened. You, you see what I'm saying? Um, and I think that's a, uh, our goal, basically. One of our main goals is to enable all dealers to have that level of uh, um, um, uh, of knowledge and therefore uh, sensible communication when they're buying, selling, trading, renting, uh, stealing, whatever they're doing with cars. That's uh, that's a great way to finish it. I love uh, you know if everyone should if they don't have the uh, Chrome extension, the window with AccuTrade, you have to get it because, it, like Bob says, it will already show you if the vehicle's been exposed to the market already. And uh, what is your exit strategy if that's the case? And if you have to get that vehicle to the next level, what does that actually mean uh, trying to retail out of it? So just huge. Make sure you get that extension. Um, so, Shoney, so just so you know, if they have AccuTrade, they already have the extension. They just have to install it. It doesn't cost a penny more, right? And it's live on all marketplaces. So when you're looking cars and you're and you're you got that thing popping up next to you, um, it's the it's uh, doesn't cost you a penny to get all the information you need to make smart decisions. It, well, and further to that, it even when you're doing your homework before the auction or before the uh, the marketplace, it it pops up there too, right on the uh, right on the absolutely. It, it also Fantastic. pops up on on car gurus. It pops up on Auto Trader. It pops up everywhere. So when you're pricing your car to market, you're actually looking at the facts around that car, right? So um, it, it's not just on wholesale marketplaces. It's also on retail marketplaces. Um, so it's very very useful uh, um, um, in that regard. And it, again, it doesn't cost you a penny. All you're doing is having uh, you know the lights flashing in front of your face. Where to come from? What is it? How it was? Blah, blah, blah. 
everything you could possibly want, man, is sitting right in front of you. Yep. Huge. Um, so next Thursday is uh, Thanksgiving. So are we going to take a week off, Bob? I'm sure you're basting the turkey or something. or, or Not me, Daddy-O. I'm good for oh, the Canadian crew. You follow me? Great. I'm, I'm good up there, brother. You know what I mean? Good. So hopefully we'll see everybody next Thursday, same time. You got it. That's it. Have fun. Thanks, everyone. Thanks, everybody.